I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you once again on a, uh, well, I guess in the middle of a beautiful April week here in Iowa, certainly here in central Iowa. Hope you guys are getting out, enjoying the weather, uh, enjoying the kind of long winter we're all coming out of. Things are starting to uh, feel a little more normal, and obviously there's a lot of time yet and a lot of things that need to happen to uh, to get us back to where we want to be, certainly by this fall, but... It feels like we're getting there, and uh, I got to tell you, man, this this weather and seeing fans at baseball games and hearing the plans for uh, spring football practices at Kinnick Stadium and all of those things have really got me feeling good. Hopefully, they have you feeling good as well. Uh, today's going to focus on spring football. There's been a lot of uh, content over the last two days between player and coach interviews. All of it is up at HawkeyeNation.com and on our YouTube page if you missed any of the uh, the player interviews or the coach interviews from today. It's all spring football, and you can get all that. Uh, but if you don't want to watch all of it, if you want to kind of uh, pick and choose what you hear and, and how you hear it, stay here with me, because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and listen to some of these things, um, some of the bigger interviews uh, especially. And as I've done several times for both basketball press conferences and a Kirk Ferentz spring football press conference, I'm going to kind of jump in and give my thoughts here and there and uh, just kind of listen to this with you. We'll go through it together. So I think people have kind of enjoyed this in the past, and uh, we'll see how often we do this. But I figured this week with all of this, again, just so much content, uh, hours worth of interviews, and not everybody has time to, to listen to hours worth of spring football uh, content, but you want to know what's being said, you want to be involved and informed, and uh, I'm as excited for spring football as, as anybody, maybe not spring football, because I don't think I'll be heading over to Kinnick Stadium in either of these two spring practices, but I'm ex- as excited about this football season and this team we've got coming back. Um, a team that we saw win six games in a row to end the season, got the last two games pulled out from under us. And uh, while there's a lot of question marks, certainly, about Iowa's team and the schedule looks very difficult, there's still a lot of hope. There's still a lot of hype, and uh, and I think Iowa's – Poised to be a good team and, and have a good season. Want to start with uh, probably the biggest interview that happened. Probably the most notable guy. The the guy who, if I were to ask you, hey, who needs to step it up the most? Who uh, who does Iowa's football season, whose shoulders does Iowa's season rest upon more than anybody else? It's Spencer Petrus. He had a up-and-down at times good, at times awful. First campaign last year. Again, just got eight games. Didn't have a spring football uh, at all. Didn't have spring football. Didn't have a, a, a regular offseason in any way, shape, or form. I mean, Iowa had probably the most disruptive offseason of any team in the country last season because they were dealing with the COVID just like everybody else. They were dealing with the uncertainty of whether or not they were going to have a season just like other Big Ten and Pac-12 schools were. And then you throw all that in with the the upheaval and the uh, the, the talk about uh, the the racial disparities and 
Uh, all of that in the program, the loss of Chris Doyle as the strength and conditioning coach as a result of that, and kind of the the lingering questions about whether or not Kirk Ferentz was the guy to, to move forward, whether or not Brian Ferentz could be uh, effective in his job anymore. And I think a lot of those questions have been answered over the past eight months or so, and, and most of them have been answered in the affirmative that Kirk Ferentz is the guy to lead this forward, that Brian Ferentz can still be effective. And uh, we'll hear from Kayvon Merriweather Later in this podcast, and uh, but but I did see that he kind of talked about it. Yeah, it it feels different around around the program. It feels like things have changed. It feels like those things have taken root, and it wasn't just kind of uh, words that were said last fall and and over the summer. And I, that was my fear. I'll be honest. You know, I I didn't know how I felt about the program and and move, what what needed to happen to move forward in the right way. I took my cues from the players and and most especially the players who were making the allegations, who were telling the stories, who were brave enough to come out and talk about this stuff. And for the most part, with a few notable exceptions, those players said Kirk Ferentz was the man to to lead this charge and to, to lead this program into a new day. And by all accounts, he has. Now, it's important to to keep him and this program uh, held accountable for uh, continuing to do what they said they were going to do and, and continue to, to not just make changes of the things that they were doing wrong, but to uh, be adaptable to changes as our world constantly changes, to, to change with the times. And, uh, and hopefully we'll see that. Again, I'm sure these guys will talk about that some here, but uh, with such a weird offseason last year, Spencer Petrus was in a weird position coming into the season because on one hand, he had almost no experience. Uh, he had Nate Stanley in front of him, and Nate Stanley played almost every snap, and Iowa didn't blow a lot of teams out, and they weren't blown out very often, so the snaps that Petrus did get usually weren't um, in crunch time. They weren't in real game situations, and so Petrus was kind of thrown to the Wolves. He was also thrown to the Wolves with you know some of the best skill players we've seen under Kirk Ferentz, and so while the offense was certainly, I would say, overall disappointing last season, uh, especially the the passing game, because the running game wasn't, right? Tyler Goodson's first team All-Big Ten, and we'll get to him as well, but uh, the, the passing game left a lot to be desired last season, and a big part of that was Spencer Petras, and he knows that. His coaches know that. We've talked a lot about it, and that being said, two weeks ago when, when Kirk Ferentz met with the media and talked about spring football, I came on here and said, man, you don't even really have to read hard between these lines that Kirk Ferentz and this coaching staff believe that Spencer Petrus is their quarterback going into this fall. Uh, There will be an open quarterback competition, and if Alex Padilla or Deuce Hogan can rise up and, and make a case for themselves, the coaches will listen to that. I don't expect that to happen. Uh, Kirk Ferentz likes to give the benefit of the doubt to the guy who he's pegged as the starter, uh, and a lot of the reasons he's pegged these guys as the starter is beyond what happens on the field, or at least on the game field, right? It's it's what happens in practice. It's how he handles himself off the field, in the locker room. It's how what kind of a leader he is at the program, how he handles himself in the classroom and in the community. Those things are all important to Kirk Ferentz, and I think they should be important to us. The bottom line is we want a quarterback who wins games, and, and it'd be fun if he was a little flashy, and it'd be fun if he had a little swagger like a C.J. Beathard or a Drew Tate, um, but the bottom line is we want a quarterback who can win games. It uh, doesn't matter what kind of stats he puts up or who he's throwing the ball to, who he's handing the ball to, who's in front of him blocking for him. Win games, you're going to be loved. Lose games or uh, you know, win games closely, uh, maybe almost lose games as we saw last year, People are going to be clamoring for your backup. So we'll get right to Spencer Petras. Uh, I think this opens up with a question from Scott Docterman of The Athletic. And again, all this video available at HawkeyeNation.com. What was your evaluation like of yourself uh, over the last couple of months? I'm sure you spent way too much time probably breaking down what you did right, wrong, either way. What did you? What was your evaluation on what you think you did well and maybe what you need to improve upon? Um, yeah, sure. We spent a lot of time uh, the last, you know, eight weeks before spring ball going over self-scout, watching the games from last year. I think the big takeaway uh, that I've that I've made as well as, you know, Coach O'Keefe and Coach Brian um, is, you know, I want to get that completion percentage up to about 65 percent um, at least. Uh, and I think that comes from, you know, mainly two things. Uh, for me, it's taking taking gifts, you know, uh, more more efficiently. So if I have a if I have an easy completion, you know, I might as well take it, that kind of thing. And then 
Um, you know, big, big thing is ball placement on, on these timing routes. Um, that's an area where I know I can improve and, and I have the last eight weeks. Um, yeah, so those are kind of my two, the two areas there. Um, really want to focus on, you know, taking matchups when they present themselves. Um, and, and yeah. The next question, Spencer, is from Chad Leistico. Hi, Spencer. Uh, we, we talked to uh, Kirk last week, and um, you know, he said the quarterback's open competition, but but he likes what, what you've shown so far. Do you uh, What's your mentality? Where do you want this competition to be by May 1st? Um, I'm not really worried about, you know, any competition. I'm more so focused on myself. And kind of like I mentioned, I want my completion percentage to be at least 65%. Um, you know, I need to, I need to improve on, um, on the things I mentioned to Scott. That's kind of what I, that's kind of what I focus on. Um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of silly to, to worry about, um, kind of anything except how, how I play, uh, and, and the, the way I do things. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's my focus right now. It's so what you want to hear from your quarterback, right? You you want to hear that, hey, I know it wasn't perfect, but I'm not focused on the guys behind me. I'm not focused on what the media says. Uh, I think at some point we'll hear him talk about, hey, I don't really care what the fans say uh, about me. I'm focused on doing what I need to do to become a better player and to be a quarterback who can lead this team to some wins. He says he's improved things over the last eight weeks. That's good to hear. Ball placement, uh, taking what the defense gives him and not forcing things. I think that's going to be key this year. Uh, not worried about the, the others. I, I like that. And, and we'll hear him say several times this 65% completion percentage. That's where he wants to be. He was around 57% a year ago. Needs to be better than that. He knows he needs to be better than that. How does he do that? Well, doesn't force things. He lets his receivers make plays. He gets them the ball quickly. And uh, and part of that's going to be Brian Ferentz and, and that offensive scheme kind of playing to his strengths, which I think we saw a little bit more of later in the season and hopefully now with some spring practices um, and and just more time over the summer together as a unit, as a coaching group, uh, everybody together. Uh, it's going to benefit everybody uh, getting this offense going and, and kind of doing it under Spencer Petrus. The next question, Spencer, is from Tom Kakert. Hey, Spencer. Um, I was wondering, uh, you know, during your film study, did you look at other guys and, and kind of learn from their film study? And, and also what What's it feel like to have spring this year because you didn't get that last year and how important is that for you? Yeah. So, you know, your first question, um, I watched, I watched a good amount of uh, Mac Jones uh, and, and him working in Alabama's offense. Um, Cause I think he does a lot of really, really good stuff. Um, you know, that I can kind of try and emulate my game. Um, so that was, that was a guy I really uh, studied, you know, the first eight weeks of the semester. Um, and then, yeah, spring's great. You know, spring's, an opportunity for us older guys to, you know, continue to develop our chemistry um, and, and really work on our offense. Um, and really it's 15 practices to just improve. And then for young guys, you know, a lot of time, this is their, this is their first real opportunity to, to get some real reps with our offense, um, you know, learn the system and, and learn how to execute efficiently in our system. So it's been, it's been great. It's, it's, it's awesome to be out here and, you know, we need to continue to stay vigilant with COVID so we can continue to practice. Spencer, the next question from Scott Docterman. You know, Spencer, there was a real clear line between when you got the ball out of your hands fast, like two and a half seconds, and then afterwards, of it, when you had it out of your hands in two and a half seconds or, or less, you completed, you know, 66% of your passes. But after that, it, it, it kind of went from there. Was that a figment almost of, of a script or, or by design? And is that next step just kind of developing more comfort and report with, uh, with some of the, your uh, receivers? Um, I, mean, I think anytime you uh, get the ball out of your hands fast, it's a, it's a good thing for our offense. Um, you know, Tom Brady's kind of the king of that. Like, I think, I forget what playoff run it was. It might've been his last Super Bowl in New England. I think in the playoffs, he averaged 2.2 seconds getting the ball out of his hand. Um, and I mean, obviously like, you know, if you're getting the ball fast, it means it's, it's not a super deep route. So those are going to be easier to complete. So, um, you know, it's not a, it's not an exact science, but, um, generally in a concept and just me as a player, you know, is, is if I'm getting the ball out on time, uh, which is, you know, usually depending on the concept, you know, around two, five or lower, um, then we're going to be in good shape. Uh, you know, get in trouble if you hold on to the ball too long, um, you know, take multiple shuffles at the top of your, at the top of my drop. Um, again, depending on the concept and the coverage, but um, yeah, the faster you get it out, you know, the, the better shape we're going to be in. 
really like hearing Spencer talk about the guys who he's looked up to, the guys who he's watching, the guys he's paying attention to, and, and even if they they seem uh, aspirational. Uh, that's what you want in your quarterback again. You, you want a guy who wants to be the best. He's he's going to learn from the best. So he he goes and watch Max watches Mac Jones from Alabama, who wasn't the best quarterback in college football last year. Did have the best receivers in college football, but uh, you know Spencer Peaches won't be throwing to the Heisman winner. But it's it's good to know that that he's paying attention to those guys, and then Tom Brady getting the ball out fast again. I, I just like that he's aspiring to be the best, uh, even if he's you know even if even if that feels like a high bar to clear. I'll take two more questions for Spencer Petrus, and the first is from Leah Van. Yeah, um, a lot of fans have been kind of critical of you in your first season, and I was wondering what your response to their criticisms. Uh, are and you know you were third in the Big Ten in passing yards. Yeah, it's all right. I, uh, I got to sit behind Nate for two years, and I've seen um, our fans. Our fans love Iowa football, and they just want the best for Iowa football. And uh, you know, I, it's, it's it is what it is. Um, you know, I've I've had my uh, my fair share of experience. You know, watching Nate deal with it, and then obviously uh, you know you know dealing with everyone wants to. Everyone has their own opinion, and, and that's okay. I'm not really. Um, no offense to the fans. I could, I could care less about what they have to say about my performance. I'm focused on um, my performance and, and kind of things we mentioned, like improvement and uh, having a great spring. Wait, to follow up on that, I saw on Instagram you got your second vaccination, and I was wondering how you were feeling. And, um, yeah, if you have a message to fans. Yeah, I'd say uh, I, I obviously recommend uh, the vaccination so we can – continue to move forward uh, as a society and, and beat this virus. I feel great. Um, feel good. And, you know, about two weeks from now, I should be home free with this thing. So definitely, definitely, uh, definitely recommend it. Yeah, go get vaccinated if you can. If you haven't already, do that. Uh, again, just kind of nice to hear Spencer Petras. It'll be interesting to hear this this quarterback competition and, and how it moves forward here uh, as we go further into the spring and uh, as we get our first kind of look at the guys um, at Kinnick Stadium in just a couple of weeks from now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Matt Hankins also met with the media here. Let's uh, go right into the cornerbacks media availability. Yeah, Matt, uh, I think you might end up becoming the first Iowa player to ever to start games over five years. Um, what was that process like for you in late December and early January when you're deciding whether to give the NFL a shot or to return and, and why ultimately did you decide to come back to Iowa? Uh, you know, I, I just come back because, you know, it's still a lot of my game I can work on and, you know, you know my weight and whatnot, uh, being more physical and things like that. So. You know, I decide why not stay another year. You know, I have the opportunity to, so can improve the chemistry with the team. It was good last year, so it can only get better this year. So that, that was the whole idea, the whole plan. The next question, Matt, is from Tom Kakert. Hey, Matt. Um, how much did you lean on Coach Parker when you were making that decision to come back, and what was his advice to you during that process? Uh, really, it was – I didn't lean too much, to be honest. It was really just between me and my family and uh, my trainer back home. But, you know, his advice was well, whatever I did, he was going to support it. You know, when I told him that I was coming back, you know, he was just extremely happy that I was coming back, you know. I mean, I'll be able to help out with the players and, you know, things like that, I guess. Matt Hankins coming back is huge. I mean, what a boost for this uh, this defense. What a boost for the defensive backfield. Um, and, you know, hopefully he will be able to really improve his draft stock and, and leave this season. You know, come back 
for a, a good reason, right? Improve his draft stock and, and get get drafted high next season after leading Iowa to a, a really good season in his fifth year, as Scott Doxman pointed out there, that he has started games in five different years. Uh, in the backfield there with him will be Riley Moss. Let's go to his media availability. Started by talking to Matt Hankins, and obviously he's a guy who had a choice to make this offseason with the bonus year, or he could go off and pursue that NFL dream. What does it mean to you guys? to have him back and have his leadership and have so many starts under his belt to, to join you guys and have this experienced backfield or defensive backfield. Uh, it's, it's really nice. Um, you know, having, having us, uh, I guess you call it a super senior. I don't know what you'd call it, but it's nice having him back, uh, having his leadership for sure. Like you said, um, because you can never have too many leaders out in the field. So um, it's nice to have him back there. Um, even at corner, you know, he kind of leads the corners a little bit, me and him. Um, so it's nice having him out there. Plus we got uh, Jack, uh, Dane. So we're, we got some, we got some kids back, which was nice. Yeah. This defensive backfield is, uh, is going to be something. I think the linebackers are going to be great. I, I like the ends. The, the defensive line will be interesting. That's got to obviously come together, uh, certainly at that tackle position. But these D-backs and, and what they return, the amount of experience they return, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see. Uh, you know, and and I've, I've talked about this, I think, before. Cornerback, for whatever reason, is my favorite football position. I'd, I'd rather, like if I could be anything, it'd be a, a lockdown, speedy corner. I think they're the coolest guys. I think it's fun to watch them do pick sixes and just interceptions in general, I think, are, are maybe the coolest play in football. Uh, so <laughs> there, there's a big part of me that wishes I was nearly as athletic as any of these guys. And I love watching Iowa's defensive backfield, especially under Phil Parker and, and what he has done over the the decades now, but really over the last uh, couple of years in developing these guys, putting them into the NFL, it's really become a pipeline and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Riley, over the last uh, four years, Iowa leads power five programs in, in total number of interceptions and in all programs and interceptions per game. What is it about the defense that enables you guys to Put yourself in that kind of position. Is it partially the geometry that uh, Phil Parker preaches all the time, or um, is there something specific that beyond that that enables you guys to be in the right place, the right time, so many times? Yeah, uh, I would say um, the biggest thing is you know, like you said, geometry. But then it's also he preaches the little things. So um, you know where you got to be, your technique, um, your fits, where you're where you're reading, where your keys at, um, and that's that's a big thing. Um, personally for me, uh, that's why I've gotten so many picks is because of, you know, just doing little things and you'll end up in the right spot at the right time as long as you just keep doing the right things over and over again. And again, just love that Iowa, Iowa D-backs have been in the right place at the right time more often than not over several years. And, uh, Ah, it's just so much fun. I'm, I'm just, I'm just so excited for football. I know it's so far away; it's hard to think about, but I'm so excited. Let's get to uh, Kayvon Merriweather, who I mentioned earlier, and uh, hear what he has to say. Kayvon, you were kind of one of the leading voices last summer when everything was going on, and I was wondering what improvements you have seen specifically in this program since last summer. I think it's been major improve, major improvement. I think the the way that we kind of stride on being together, I think, and focus on everybody's differences as well. I think that's something that that we really push towards, and, and also like having letting the players have a voice on the team as well. I think we have a little bit more voice, a little bit more say, and we can if we see anything that's going wrong or anything or any change. I think we we we're more confident to go to to coach to our coaches and actually talk to them about those issues and see change within within the program as well. I think that's one thing that's. Has definitely changed within our within our program. Again, so good to hear that, and, and from a guy who was outspoken a year ago and has been outspoken his entire career at Iowa, and, and I'm sure we'll hear more and more from Kayvon Merriweather. Uh, but just good to hear that you know from within the program. Uh, things feel different. Things have changed. Uh, things have uh, improved, and uh, and the players can feel it. It's it's obvious there. So uh, loved hearing that. We'll we'll go quickly here to then uh, stay on the defense. And Jack Kerner also met with the media. We'll hit him before we uh, hit up the coaches. Yeah, Jack. What what can you guys do for an encore? Uh, you bring back everybody. Uh, you have you were one of the most prolific intercepting groups in the last handful of years in college football. Is there in what ways can you collectively as a unit improve and probably help a, an inexperienced front line? Um, I think just the, the emphasis that we do place on on turnovers is a big part of it. You know, the less we're out there, the less long drives we have to sustain are obviously going to help us. And, uh, you know, the front the front 
front uh, guys, they, they help us out a lot, getting pressure and not making us stay in coverage as long. So, um, you know, it's our job to kind of reciprocate that back to them. And, you know, if it's taking them a little bit longer to get uh, to the quarterback, then it's our job to stay in coverage a little bit longer and uh, also, you know, come up and fill those fill those run gaps. But uh, I, uh, I don't foresee uh, necessarily any issues. We've got a lot of great, a lot of great guys and uh, Coach Bell, Coach Parker, you know, they do a great job of, you know, inserting guys in and Paul's doing a great job. Are there any specific ball skills that you guys work on that kind of helps you, um, you know, with interceptions, maybe that uh, I don't know if other programs do or don't do, but just something that you know that you see that works that helps you guys be, you know, able to, to intercept as many passes as you do? Um, in our individual drills, uh, you know, we do place a big, you know, precedence on, you know, getting the ball thrown to us and focusing on catching the ball. And uh, but the, big, the biggest thing that I think uh, translates over is that we have a, like a scoreboard, if you, if you will, about uh, uh, getting interceptions, forced fumbles, picking up the ball after an incomplete pass, just things about that. Just kind of get guys into the habit of getting to the ball. And so that's kind of the thing that we've, uh, I think, about five years ago, the coaches say they placed an emphasis on, and uh, the results have obviously uh, transferred over. Love that interior competition, right? The uh, these are very competitive guys, and you might as well use that to your advantage. Let's get them, uh, you know, some friendly competition in between each other, amongst each other, uh, to see who's uh, who's the best D back on the team. It'll be fun to uh, to keep an eye on that throughout this year. Well, we've heard from a bunch of defensive players. Let's go right to their coach. It's Phil Parker, one of the best coaches in in America, one of the best coordinators in America, a guy that I think we're all lucky to uh, to have as our defensive coordinator as Hawkeye fans. And uh, we'll hear it, what he had to say. This was uh, from today. Those player interviews were yesterday on, on Tuesday. Uh, these coach interviews were today, Wednesday, April 7th. And let's get right into it. Well, it's been a while since uh, we've talked here and uh... – since the end of the season, obviously, we lost, uh, didn't play our last two games, which is unfortunate because I thought we were playing our best ball at the end of the year. Uh, but it gave us an opportunity at least to prepare all the way through the uh, uh, chance to play in the bowl game and, and check out some of our other players. Um, obviously, we lost some guys uh, coming into uh, the springtime here. This is going, you know, 20 plus years of going into a, a new spring here for me. And uh, up front, you know, we, we lost some guys. You know, Chauncey, I think, is, was a really good player. He's going to have a chance playing the NFL along with Nixon and Hufflin, Heflin, uh, obviously. And, you know, you look at uh, Austin Schulte that played uh, pretty well here as a senior, and Jacobus was another guy that we're really proud to have up front. And then in the, in the linebacker depth, you know, we lost, uh, you know, Nick Neiman, which was a pretty productive player there for us. And obviously Barrington Wade at, at safety and very fortunate in the back end here to, you know, keep everybody here. Matt decided to stay another year. I was thrilled about that. Uh, gives us some leadership back there and he's kind of been through the routine. He's played a, a lot of, a lot of games here and can give a lot of insight to some of the corners that are coming up and some of the other guys in the back end. So, very pleased to where we're at. Uh, looking forward to, you know, finishing up the first four days of practice have been really good. I thought of getting guys out there and getting some work. Uh, you know, we, we'll have some guys. I I think is having some flexibility and playing different positions. So it's really good. I see a lot of growth in and some of the guys in the back end with Castro. I think he's done a really good job there in the last couple of days of practice, and. Look to Harris. He's done a good job. And, and Terry Roberts is another guy that's really stepped up a corner. So the depth is kind of back. I know we got Riley and, and Hankins back at corner, but with those two guys, I think it's really going to be uh, really interesting to see how it all pans out because you got Dane back there and obviously Merriweather and Jack. And so very pleased where we're at right now. I guess I'll leave that open to, uh, to questions for you guys right now. Thanks coach. If anyone out there has a question for, Phil Parker, please throw your hand up by clicking on the reactions button at the bottom of your screen. First question this afternoon, Coach Parker, is from Scott Docterman. Hey, Phil, how are you? I'm doing great. You? I'm doing well myself. Thanks for asking. I was wondering to know um, 
a couple of uh, redshirt freshmen. Y.A. Black got in a few games last year, kind of probably more out of necessity than anything else, but seems to have incredible size. And then Logan Jones as well, um, just seemed to break all these weight room records, which is rare for his age. What do you see from those two and where do they kind of fit in right now? Very impressed. Uh, you know, Black is going to play. He could probably play outside and inside. But right now, we got uh, put inside as a tackle. I think he's done a really good job. Uh, really mature. You know, it was nice to have him in there uh, last year. You know, he's he was a little young, but uh, you know, gave it, him a chance to get out there. And now, I think it's really good for him during the spring to take a up row. He's lined up as the number one right now, and we're very happy with what, what direction he's going into. And Logan Jones is a guy that's very powerful and very strong. You know, he, he's uh, learning the position. You know, there's some good plays the other day in nine on seven that I really enjoyed him doing. Um, I wouldn't say, I say probably a little bit thicker. I, I, I don't want to throw this name out there, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Mitch King of, uh, as far as taking up some space in, inside. Um, really like the way he's going there. Obviously, Zach is back at the defensive end, so we're, we're, we're fortunate there. And Wagner will probably be at the other end. And then Noah Shannon at our, our tackle, other tackle spot. So very pleased. And some young guys in there. Uh, you look at uh, Craig uh, playing defensive end for us. Herkett, I think, is a good guy in there, too. So really got some young guys' experience. They got a lot of growth, and I think it's really going to look I'm looking forward to the next four or five practices to see where they are and before we finish up the last three or four. So we've got some time left. Yeah, Phil, in some ways, I think uh, we, we were robbed a little bit when uh, Mono took Jack Campbell off the field for the first few games uh, because when he was in the, the game the last few games, he seemed to really tip it from the plays he made, probably made more impactful plays per snap than anybody else I saw. What's his upside? And then also, where do you see Justin Jacobs fitting? Can he play Leo when you move to Leo sometimes, or is he specifically an inside backer? Good thing. Let's go back to answer your first question here about uh, uh, Jack Campbell. Obviously, it's a very competitive uh, player. We lost him for the first two. Uh, doesn't make a difference yet. There are some other things in that game that could have helped us, you know, besides not having him in there. And just talking about we could have did a little bit better job of coaching the back end. Um, but to say that, I think there's an object for, for, for both of these guys over here. You talk about uh, Justin Jacobs at playing. I think he can play outside linebacker. I think he can play the will backer. I think we get uh, Campbell. He can play the mic. I think he can play the will. And Seth Benson, I think he can play the mic or the will. So right now we're playing them like right and left linebacker, slide them over. I think that uh, we were talking about this today was uh, Justin. Uh, he has a lot of ability and he's improving every day. And I'm excited to see where he goes. And, you know, do we play more 40 defense with him in there or do we play more you know, sub package in there with our cash and, you know, time will tell personnel game to game and who's the best players to be on the field to help stop your opponents. Good few minutes there from uh, defensive coordinator Phil Parker. I uh, love the Jack Campbell Q&A there. I mean, I think he's going to be that dude. He's going to be the next guy uh, if he's not already kind of uh, assuming that role. The, the next you know, great Hawkeye linebacker. I'm excited to see what he will do this year. We'll switch from, uh, from defense to offense and quarterback coach former offensive coordinator Ken O'Keefe. Uh, Spencer, there was kind of a clear dividing line on timing uh, when he when he threw the ball with inside of two and a half seconds, it was complete two thirds of the time. If it was after that, it went down dramatically. Um, what was kind of the reasoning for that? Uh, was that more because he was able to, to get into a rhythm quicker in that two and a half second period? And what ways can you help him grow, uh, you know, with three, four second type uh routes that either may develop or be, he may need to use because of uh, a pass rush and stuff like that. Well, you know, if, if, uh, if we're going to use uh, four seconds, uh, we're going to have to get a few more people up there in front, as far as the offensive line's concerned, you know, we'll, we'll have to play maybe with, uh, you know, 12 or 13, but um, you know, we, we'd want to stay away from that, uh, that length of time for sure. Uh, your question involves a couple of different things, but it's a great question, Scott. Number one, um, you know, all different 
you know, all different phases of our pass game uh, are built off of time. You know, the quick game, uh, you know, has, you know, has uh, basically a time allotment, uh, you know, the five step game, there's a quick five game, there's play action, there's, you know, there's a seven step play action, there's, you know, there's five step play action, and there's a five step drop back too. So, you know, all of these, uh, you know, got to be measured out and try to build the clock in the, in the quarterback's head so that we can get the ball out of our hands on time. And I think everybody, everybody at this, at this point, uh, 2021 for sure knows that, uh, you know, the less you hold on to the ball, the quicker you get it out of your hands, the better chance you have of, of completing a pass. Um, and you've heard me, I know, talk about it before, especially on timing routes. Um, we'd like the ball to be out of the quarterback's hand and at least a third of the way to the receiver by the time he comes out of his cut, uh, you know, for it to be, uh, you know, where we want it to be in our, in our offense. You know, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's the, uh, uh, you know, that's the, that's the gold standard, you know, versus uh, zone coverage with, you know, with timing routes, man to man uh, coverage changes the whole deal uh, to a certain degree, but uh, the quarterback's going to have to use his feet to move through things a little bit quicker. But, you know, a guy like Spencer, and I think, you know, ultimately this is probably where you're headed with your question uh, with a year under his belt, should be able to see the field, should be able to see what's going on a little bit better, move through his progressions faster and deliver the ball uh, with a little bit more confidence, um, you know, uh, than, than the previous year. Heard a lot of that same stuff from Spencer Petras early in this podcast yesterday in the interviews. Um, you know, you could tell he he and his coach are kind of in lockstep about what he needs to do, what they need to do, what the offense needs to look like for them to have success. And so good to hear they're on the same page. And uh, much like I said with Kirk Ferentz, it, it sounds like uh, Ken O'Keefe is, you know, pretty solidly expecting Spencer Petras to be his starting quarterback come this fall. Let's go back to Coach O'Keefe. The next question, Ken, is from Chad Leistico. Hey, Chad. Hey, Ken. Good to see you. Um, good to be seen. <laughs> I knew you had a joke in there somewhere. Um, what? How are you divvying up the, the reps between your quarterbacks this spring? What's the plan percentage-wise, guys with ones, et cetera? Because obviously there's a lot of interest in more than just Spencer here on the outside. Well, you know, we're, we're working our way through, um, you know, seven on set, you know, seven on seven and team. Uh, we're trying to, you know, divide, you know, divide it up right now to get a feel for uh, what some of the other guys can do as well. So, you know, we've been, we've been splitting it uh, the first three practices and change it up a little bit in the fourth and uh, probably change it up even a little bit more here uh, in, uh, in uh, our upcoming practice tomorrow. Ken, the next question is from Leah Van. Hi, Ken. I'm Leah. I'm the new reporter for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. It's nice to meet you. All right, Leah. It's nice to meet you. And, um, yeah, my question is, um, you know, I was, I think last week, Ferentz was talking about how teams with veteran quarterbacks going into last year kind of had an advantage because, you know, they didn't have spring football. And I was wondering, you know, how does spring football um, provide an opportunity for you to, maybe work with Spencer Petrus a little bit more, like what are um, the advantages of having it and what does he need to work on? Well, you know, the crazy part about last year is these guys virtually had to train on their own. You know, we could meet with them on the uh, playbook and, you know, we had a lot of great meetings on Zoom. Uh, you know, we even had some guest appearances from uh, Rick Stanzi, Brad Banks, uh, Drew Tate that came on and, and kind of, uh, helped some of the guys out with, uh, you know, some of their experiences, but on the field stuff they had to do on their own. And one of the problems uh, that you have when uh, they train themselves is you can't be there to correct mistakes, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and see what's going on. So if you don't watch out, they'll end up training themselves incorrectly. And, you know, I learned this a long time ago, where uh, when I coached in Division Three, 
because the guys all had to go home and work jobs in the summer and, you know, they pay for their loans and do, you know, you know, you know, get spending money for the next year. And uh, I would try to develop a manual for, you know, for those guys to work off of, but I, I couldn't be there. And so a lot of times when they came back to start preseason, they had trained themselves a little bit, you know, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, differently than I wanted them to. And I couldn't do anything about it initially because um, I wasn't there to observe it. So I had to almost start over with some guys. So, uh, you know, that was the number one thing we were working against in the off season. And um, it showed up a little bit, it showed up a little bit in, uh, you know, in, 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 uh, our preseason. I'm trying to remember which one. And we started one, then stopped, and then started another one. But uh, you know, it. Um, and then we had to we had to train some stuff out of our guys before we could get back and feel comfortable with what we're doing. And I think probably saw some of that in the first. Uh, uh, you know, the, you know, the first couple of ball games. You know, I don't have a lot of expert commentary to add to what uh, Ken O'Keefe is talking about there, but just good to kind of hear that perspective on uh, what they, what specifically they missed out on on spring football. I mean, I think it's easy to say, well, obviously they missed out on things, uh, but what what was that, and uh, what did it look like? And I think that's a really good point of, hey, they're they're out there training and they're learning things, and we're not there to immediately correct those things. So um, if it's not a few days before we we realize they're doing something incorrectly, or maybe not even until they get back to to campus for fall camp uh, and and the, the you know both preseasons as Ken O'Keefe referenced there uh, we didn't know they were doing some things incorrectly and it it probably uh, set them back a little bit to have to restart things uh, from scratch in, in several cases and so to have this here to have spring football to have everybody together uh, for another year I think is just going to be beneficial for everybody moving on we'll just uh, spend a few more minutes here with the coaches interviews I really want to get to this one because a big talking point last summer was what does this program do without Chris Doyle? He's been the strength and conditioning coach for 20 years. He's put a lot of guys in the NFL. A lot of those guys were, you know, two-star recruits out of rural Iowa who were played quarterback or or receiver or tight end in in high school, and he made them into NFL offensive linemen. Uh, you know, the the body change that we see from guys, a lot of that was credited to Chris Doyle. It's a reason he was one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, assistant in all of college football, and uh, and got a lot of credit for the success that Iowa has had under Kirk Ferentz, not just on the field, but also in putting guys into the league. Now he's gone. That's all gone. It's all over, right? And so uh, what, is this, what does this mean? What does this program look like without him? What does the strength and conditioning program look like without him? And Raymond Braithwaite is the guy who stepped into that role uh, a year ago. I don't know when they officially gave him that title, I remember Kirk was asked about it at some point in the last few weeks, and and kind of said, "Ah, oh, you know, we he yes, he is the guy, even if we uh, hadn't actually uh, made that announcement." And so, I'm interested to hear what Raymond Braithwaite has to say here, as as now he finally gets these guys because this is his time of the year, right? I mean, after the bowl game and before spring football, it's it's his off season workout program. It's getting the guys there on campus now for these few weeks, and then what what do they do between? the end of spring football in, in a handful of weeks, a month from now or so, uh, and getting back onto campus for fall camp. Uh, this is when these guys make strides based on what he sets out for them. This is when his coaching is probably most important. So interested to hear what Raymond Braithwaite, Iowa strength and conditioning coach, has to say. First, uh, I'd like to, to thank you guys for, for giving us the opportunity to, to meet and to talk about our program. Um, I would also like to recognize the other members of our strength staff. You know, I have myself as the, the director, um, Cody Myers, Cole Helley, Drew Heitland, Ben Morris, and John Engelbrecht are the other members of the staff. They have done an excellent job in assisting and adding to the development of our team. Um, we're also very excited to be, you know, starting up spring football. Uh, prior to spring football, we were in a uh, eight-week training phase where our main focus was developing our strength and our speed. And we feel as though we were successful in doing that. And we had to nail, we had to make strides in this area in order to, you know, really take advantage of this, this uh, phase that we're in as, as far as our overall team development. It's also significant because this, uh, that training phase was the first uninterrupted block of training that we've had 
in the last uh, 11 months. So, you know, we place a great importance on this window of time for the overall development of our team, not just physically, but also in the way that our team interacts, the way they communicate, the way they grow together as a team. Um, and our guys have done an excellent job in all, in all of these areas. Uh, in the weight room, our guys have raised the standard for themselves physically. Um, I was thinking about guys like Tyler Linderbaum, Seth Benson, uh, Jack Campbell, Kayvon Merriweather, all these guys have set the tone with their leadership and their approach to training. And that's rubbed off on, the, on, on their teammates. Um, now where we're at in terms of our preparation, we have to take the, the things that we've developed over the last eight weeks and transfer them to our on-field preparation. And with that, I will open up for uh, any questions you guys might have. Ray, the next question is from Chad Leistico. Hi, Ray, great to talk to you. Um, we, uh, you singled out a couple of guys there at the beginning in your opening statement on identifying leaders. Um, you know, this is kind of your first full year doing this. How do you go about finding leaders? I know that's a huge process uh, for Iowa football and is the Hawkeye championship still a thing? The leaders, to answer the first question, leaders tend to be kind of rise to the top on their own and the, and the team tends to choose who the leaders are. Um, we help mold the leaders and, and, the, and the leaders that the, the team has chosen this year are an excellent group of young men. Um, the Hawkeye Championship is still a thing. It's a player-driven player uh, competition and those leaders make it what it is. And, and the benefits from doing the Hawkeye Championship only come because um, through the development of leadership. And, and when I talk about leaders, I'm just not talking about the guys who listed off, but we want, we want horizontal leadership across the team. We want freshmen up through seniors to hold each other accountable. And that's the only way we're gonna really improve and take the next step. The next question, Ray, is from Tom Kakert. Hey, Ray, um, wanted to ask you, you know, when you take over a, the, the more of the leadership role with the strength and conditioning, you probably had your own ideas, some thoughts. What sort of things did maybe change in the operation, either in the winter conditioning or overall, that were different from what Chris Doyle did? Good question. The, the changes I made were were more logistical. Um, I think the uh, COVID made us see things differently in the way we have, to, we were forced to do things differently. And so the way we group guys in the weight room, the way we do some things pre and post workout are different. Like the, our main principles and the things that really work to develop our guys aren't changing and haven't changed. Those are things that proven over, have been proven over time to work. So I didn't see a need to reinvent the wheel. Um, but it was just more minor things that, that were changed. Ray, the next question is from Scott Docterman. Yeah, Ray, along those lines, I mean, Iowa's program has had a demonstrated uh, success rate, uh, especially in developing players to, to go on to the next level, maybe higher than most programs. Uh, what if you are, as far as the, the Iowa way in the weight room, did you decide to keep it kind of the similar path because of the success rate and development uh, mentally as well as physically? The things that have led to success for current and former players, I mean, those things are universal across sports, like accountability, self-discipline, showing up on time, being ready to work. I don't think those things are necessarily unique tie with football, but we definitely harp on them and hone on them, hone on those things and, and value those things and those, those principles. And those things cannot change. Um, like I said before, and the guys believe in those, those things and they, they want to be held accountable. They want to be pushed in the weight room. And so that's what we're going to continue to do. Ray, the next question is from Tom Caker. Ray, um, you know, generally, over time following this program, you, you've seen guys that kind of take that leap in the weight room in the winter, and then it starts to translate in the spring on the field. And you, you kind of, there's a correlation there. What, um, can you think of some guys that maybe kind of took that leap this winter that you think might, might be in line for a big spring? Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're one thing about the spring is 
you know, this is our first spring ball in two years, right? So you kind of, I kind of lose perspective. I remember walking out to, to practice, our first practice. I'm walking next to Tyler Goodson. I'm like, T good, okay, you ready to go? Back in spring ball and looks at me and is like, coach, this is my first spring ball. I have no idea. <laughs> I, we, I haven't been down this road before. So just guys like that, he's, you, everyone thinks of them as, you know, going to eventually be a three-year starter. But even someone that is uh, highly regarded as uh, Tyler Goodson can, has a ton of room for improvement, just having this window of time to improve on the field. So I think it's um, across the board. Like this window of time that we didn't have last year, having it this year, I think are the amount of growth, potential growth for this team is exponential because, because we're so young. You know, we took, you go around and ask how many guys have done a spring ball, spring football. If you got the entire team, probably 60% of the hands would go up. This is their first spring football. And that's, that's you know, that can't be discounted. It's wild to think that Tyler Goodson has never gone through spring football. I mean, he's essentially going to be, as as Coach just alluded to, a three-year starter this fall. Uh, but wasn't on campus as an early enrollee. Started, you know, the last, what, handful of games as a freshman didn't have spring ball a year ago and, and now finally gets it. It's going to be fun to see how this team progresses. And uh, I like a lot of what I heard from uh, Coach Braithwaite there and uh, and what he's got. You know, just kind of the mindset, the mentality, uh, the focus that you expect from a Kirk Ferentz staff member and a member of uh, Iowa, or the leader now of Iowa's strength and conditioning program. Spring football is here. It's a lot of fun, a lot going on. We have it covered at HawkeyeNation.com. Again, all this video and there's a lot more than what we covered right here is available at HawkeyeNation.com. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening. I hope you're as excited about this football season as I am because we're going to be talking about it a lot over the next several months as we gear up for the 2021 campaign. Thank you for listening. Go Hawks!